Amen. Okay, so as we start off here, Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 25. Paul says, and indeed now I know, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, verse 26, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. This word testify in the Greek is actually a word that's pronounced marturomai. And it means to call your witnesses or to appeal to God or to go on the record. So he's saying before man, before God, I am going on the record that I am innocent. That word in the Greek, innocent, katharos, means clean or pure, or listen to this, unstained with the guilt of anything or anyone. So Paul is saying, before you all, I am going on the record before God that I am clean, that I am pure, that I am not guilty of anything or anyone's problem or difficulty or sin. What is Paul exactly saying here when he says you can put it in the books and with man and with God as my witness that I'm not guilty of anyone's blood? What exactly is he saying? Well, I think we've all heard the phrase, uh, blood on my hands, or blood on your hands. If I could even ask you rhetorically, I mean, what does that mean to you when you think about blood on my hands? Blood on your hands. For most people, it means that you were directly or even indirectly responsible for something bad that happened, or furthermore, listen to this, for a good that did not happen. Like, you may not have been the one pulling the trigger to shoot the person, but you knew of the danger and didn't do anything about it. So when Paul says in verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men, we are going to find out exactly what that means. What does it mean? Well, it was wrong that you did the wrong thing, and it was wrong that you didn't do the right thing. Let me say that again. It was wrong that you did the wrong thing, and it was wrong that you didn't do the right thing. Let's say, for instance, you're eating at a fast food place. For most people, when you think of fast food, especially in this area, you think of In-N-Out. So say you're sitting at In-N-Out, and you're eating, and you finish up your, your double-double and your chocolate shake and your fries and all, and you're walking out. And then at those outdoor tables, you know, those, those circular cement little tables, and you look down. And you see a wallet there. It's just sitting there. And, and evidently, you know, the guy that was sitting there, it was in his pocket. And he got up and it fell out. And it landed underneath the table. Now, it's clearly there for somebody to grab. I mean, you can see it. If you were sitting there and you got up, you probably would have just left, you know, without it, obviously, as the guy did. But it's right there. You can see it. And so option one, you have two options, right? Option one is you take the wallet. You rummage through it, and let's just say you appropriate the cash and the credit cards and the gift certificates that are inside of it, and then you toss it back down. Or number two, you see the wallet, and you think to yourself, oh, man, someone lost their wallet. Oh, no, that's the worst when you lose your wallet. Such stress. I mean, and, and people nowadays, they don't even do the right thing anymore. They just leave it there, and they don't even turn it in. 
and you continue on your walk past that wallet into your car and drive off and leave. So option one, you did what was wrong because you stole. It was stealing. Option two, you didn't do what was right, which was turn the wallet in. So when Paul says, therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, he is saying, I didn't do what was wrong and I didn't hold back from doing what was right. And what was the right thing that he didn't hold back from doing? Well, it's found in verse 27 as we continue on. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I have, not, I have not held back from declaring to you all that God's word says. Now, this is a huge statement for Paul to make, and it's absolutely, might I add, applicable to us today. As the commentator John Phillips puts it, and I quote, What a searching rebuke of much that passes for ministry in the church today. What a sobering word for elders and pastors, preachers, evangelists, Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers, soul winners, Christian workers, and missionaries. How many of us could make such a statement? Yet, how can we dare claim anything less? End of quote. How could we dare claim anything less but teach the whole counsel of God? What a statement to make, but can we settle for anything less than that? See, many of the things that are trending as popular in the quote-unquote church today are things that do not lead to spiritual growth, but rather spiritual decline. And you know what? Seeing those things is it's just absolutely sad. It's so sad. But SAD spelled S-A-D-D. It's actually an acronym. It stands for Spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder. Due to the cultural changes associated with smartphones and tablets, Hollywood special effects, you're always having to up the ante with more sex and, and more violence and more explosions than you had in the first installment. The reason for this is because of the insatiable human appetite. The church, unfortunately, in different places has fallen fallen prey to this form of church because more and more and more people have a hard time paying attention in church for more than 10 or 15 minutes before they're just like thinking about something else. And because of this, because of this, Because this is what's happening in the world. The church is conforming to the things that are outside. And you'll have guys, seriously, in church, they'll zip line from the ceiling with a briefcase handcuffed to their their wrist while Mission Impossible music is playing. And there's the guy. Dun, 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 dun. And then he's like, boom. And people are like, whoa, this is so amazing. I mean, you'll light yourself on fire. You'll drive up on stage with your motorcycle and, and, and then you'll throw your javelin at a moving target. All for the church to learn that if you're on fire, you'll always stay in a roll and you'll always be on point. Now listen, being creative, being creative is one thing and I'm not saying that I can't use props. 
However, what I'm saying, just so that we're all clear, is that a pastor or teacher holds a tremendous life or death, and I'm not exaggerating, a life or death responsibility of teaching people and declaring to people everything that God's Word says. Teaching the whole counsel of God is becoming less and less popular in the church today. Where people can even criticize and say things like this after hearing the message. Man, there was just way too much of the Bible in that message. No, I'm serious. We'll, we'll laugh, but, then, but that's the way that it is. There's just too much Bible going on up in here. Well, it's church. What do you think? See, there's a grave danger for pastors and teachers to teach what the people want to hear instead of what the people need to hear. See, people don't want to hear about sin or the consequences of sin. People want to hear about, you know, fighting the good fight because that's just too much effort, man. That's too much work. People don't want to hear about, you know, Jesus being the only way to get to heaven. That's just too narrow, People don't want to talk about the death of Jesus on the cross for the sins of the world because, you know what, there's enough death and dying outside to have to talk about death inside church. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear about what kind of lifestyles are pleasing to God or displeasing to God because, you know, God loves everybody. People don't want to hear about being holy. Come on, people don't want to hear about being holy. Being happy, that's where it's at. Our churches today. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy in verses 2 through 4, and this is what he said. I'm actually going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, Preach the word of God, is what he tells, Paul tells Timothy. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Paul wrote that the time is coming. That time is actually now. Right now where people will be given over to the lusts of their flesh, and they'll want to find teachers that will tell them what they're doing is okay. And that literally means that people will want to go to a church that doesn't teach them all of what God says, only the parts that they like. Ultimately, leading. Ultimately, leading to and meaning that churches that don't teach the Word of God will be the most popular churches for the unbeliever. See, for somebody that has a true desire to grow in their walk with the Lord, they will desire something more than a hashtag or an emotional experience. They will desire the Word of God. Because we're all about the experience. We're all about the emotions. But see, the emotional experience doesn't last. Even by its very definition... An experience is something that is fleeting and is confined by the moment of encounter. Oh yeah, Uh, that one time where I was running through the forest and a bear chased me was the craziest experience of my life. A bear's not chasing me every single day as I go to school and all of a sudden that was my experience back then and that's what experience usually means. Now, 
Don't get me wrong, because there's some really well-meaning and great people that talk about this kind of stuff, and, 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 and they have great music. I mean, I think we have great music. I like great music, so there's nothing wrong with having energetic, energetic music, uplifting music. And there's nothing wrong with excitement either. You know, uh, excitement and energy. I mean, hopefully, as a Christian and as the pastor, you should be excited about the great things that God has done for us. The great things found in this word, and I'm forgiven, and I'm set free, and he's with me, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The things that will start cheering, and yeah, man, you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah, Those things are great. Those things are awesome. However, energetic music and excitement are both in the emotional realm. These things are, and should be, or can be garnishes for the main course, which is the word of God. Because quite frankly, man, I would take live and exciting over dead any moment. But I believe because I serve a risen Lord who lives. I'm excited about that. I'm up about that. I'm happy about that. I'm joyful about that. I want other people to know about that. I mean, could you imagine living your life as a Christian? And trying to witness to people and share with people about God's love. And we're so dead and so just like... Yeah, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I mean, maybe. It might be cool. You know, if you really want to, man, or whatever. They'd be like, uh, no, I think I might look for a different, you know, alternative. So the thing is, is that those things are okay. Being excited and having energy, that's all right. But if I'm only living in the emotional realm as a follower of Christ, then there's a problem. Because, see, if you leave church with nothing but an emotional experience... And then that following week, you know, something just goes awful and you try to draw on that past Sunday's emotional experience, you're left with nothing because that emotional experience ended after lunch that day. You try to, what was that, what was that feeling? You know, what was that thing? I, what was that? The solid teaching and instruction from the Word of God gives us sustenance and something we can draw from when the emotions fade. Even as Peter put it in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 25, he says, But the Word of the Lord endures forever. It doesn't say the emotions and hype endure forever because they do not. The word of God endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. We need to be reminded of that because what's happening in our church today is on a trend with the Bible going out the door. And now maybe there's a pastor that might not be teaching things that are wrong or unbiblical. You know, everything the pastor says, I mean, you can find it in the Word. That's right on. But maybe they're holding back from teaching things that are right. Remember, when Paul said, I, I'm, I'm not guilty, I'm clean, I, I, I have no man's blood on my hands, which means I didn't do that which was wrong, and I didn't hold back from doing that which was right. But you know, to teach things that the whole Bible says is unpopular, and you might lose people. And if you lose people, maybe they'll stop giving to the church, and then if they stop giving to the church, then who knows what's going to happen after that. Or maybe you'll have people get upset at you if you actually read everything that the Bible says. Maybe they just they, they don't want to be your friend anymore. They don't think you're cool anymore, whatever it might be. In the book of Isaiah, 
The prophet Isaiah was mocked for teaching the Bible or proclaiming God's word. This is what they said to him in Isaiah 28 verse 10. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. That mocking was actually a compliment to Isaiah. It's such an amazing thing when a teacher teaches God's word precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, because we can't digest all of it at one time. A consistent flow of just adding on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, everything. I mean, could you imagine if you were trying to build a skyscraper, but you wanted to skip the, the 20th floor and then build on top of that? It's not happening. You, it just doesn't make sense. So as we're trying to grow in our relationships with the Lord, it's going to come through consistently being in the word and knowing what the word of God says. You have the foundation. You have the first floor, the second floor, the third floor, the fourth floor, the fifth floor, and you keep going line upon line, precept upon precept. Because the word of God brings life. It brings cleansing, it brings freedom, it brings wisdom, it brings direction and instruction and encouragement and so much more. In that same chapter of Isaiah 28, verse 12, it says, God has told his people, here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest. But they would not listen. What exactly does that mean? The Lord says that in his word, you're going to find rest. You're going to find peace. You will find what you're looking for. But if you come to church because you're exhausted or you're worn out or you think there's something more to this life and you come to a place where they're not teaching you the word of God, you are not going to find what God has set up for you. Peace and rest in him. You'll hear all the things that you want to hear. It's amazing how popular studies are when you teach sex for 48 weeks straight. It's amazing when you want to teach about how you can be more successful or be better financially. All of a sudden, the Bible just starts going out, out, out. You have people that are in sin heading on a path to destruction, and they're being told from a pulpit from a church that it's okay. Blood on your hands. People will die in their sins and you're responsible for it. Either you weren't teaching, you were teaching wrong things or you weren't teaching the right thing. We will not shun to, to declare the whole counsel of God. And now Paul speaking to the leaders in the church at Ephesus. He says in verse 28, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Paul's admonition here, admonition to the leaders, is for them to make sure that they take heed to continue teaching the whole counsel of God and in so doing will properly shepherd and take care of the flock or the people of God. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus. And if you're going to be taking care of it for him, you better be doing a good job. You better be doing it the way he would be doing it. Jesus died for the church. 
I think that shows how seriously he feels about the growth and well-being of his people in the church. And as John tells us, Jesus said that he was the good shepherd. The leaders, which would be me and other leaders in the church, are under shepherds. And we should be following in the footsteps of our master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Bible says in verse 28, Acts 20, they weren't only to take heed to teach the word and shepherd the flock, but also to protect the flock. In verse 29 it says, Paul speaking, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, you probably aren't aware of this, but we've had a handful of people that have come into Vision City Church that were not good. And God is absolutely, by His grace, made us aware of it, and it was taken care of. Even in a baby little church. It's almost like, you know, you're trying to mix your cake and you're building it for, you know, you're, you're building your cake. I build cakes. Some people bake cakes. So make it. I'm building this thing. You know, I'm putting all my ingredients in, right? Making my cake. And then Satan wants to be like, shh, 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 let's add some of this ingredient. And let's shh, 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 over here. And hey, look over there and put something else in so that as it's being formed and in the, the crucial early years of a church being established with the, the principles and the ethos and the, and the vision and just the, the, the culture of it all, that it would be tainted. And by God's grace, he's taken care of it and has kept us safe and has allowed the church to be able to continue on in an environment that's safe, that's proclaiming God's word and people growing with each other in their relationship with the Lord. But Paul says, no, that after I leave, people are going to come from the outside and try to come in, and they're not going to spare the flock. You know, we've had people come in that are basically saying, I'll come to your church if uh, you let me oversee something. And if you let me do what I want to do here. No opportunism, like that kind of a thing. In verse 30, it says, Also from among yourselves, he says, Men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. So, wolves from without and perverters within that need to be watched out for. Now, a healthy church will have a consistent diet, a regular diet of solid Bible teaching. And because of that, it will be able to purge itself. It'll purge itself. It'll be healthy. When you know what the Word of God says, and somebody comes from within saying, hey, the Word of God doesn't say this, or let's go over and do this thing that's not biblical, when weird stuff is said, the members of the church are like, man, that's not right. That doesn't seem right to me. That's because it isn't. Because what that person's saying is a perversion of God's word. And because you know what the real word of God says, you're able to recognize when there's a perversion. So Paul says that from within the church, certain individuals will try to lead people astray and speak perversions, hoping to gain followers for themselves. Now, if somebody is a pervert, I hope that that's just in and of itself a red flag to you. Wait for it. What? If somebody's speaking perverse things, I hope that that's a red flag to you. Discernment, conviction of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter who they are or where they're from. If I get up here and start saying things that are not biblical, that's a perversion of God's word. And you should be like, I'm out of here. I'm not listening to that. By God's grace, you'll never hear that off my lips. And we'll proclaim the word of God, but you need to know what the word of God says so that you can recognize the counterfeit. In verse 31, it says, Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. 
Paul is passionate about this. That word watch in the Greek is gregoreo, and it means give strict attention to or be cautious or be active. Man, be on the lookout. He's telling the leaders of the church to know what's going on in the church. Be aware of those things. Watch out for the external attacks. Watch out, from the, watch out for the internal things. And though Paul is given repeated, explicit instruction, he says in verse 32, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's the word of God's grace that builds us up as Christians. Not the hype, not the hashtags, not the theatrics. It's his word that builds us up. It's not the emotional experience. It's not the emotional high. It's the word of God. We can be excited. There can be emotion. Hopefully there is. We're emotional beings. But there needs to be the substance of God's word. Because that is what will sustain us. That is what empowers us. That's what helps us grow. You know, it's like music, amplification, TV screens. What happens if all of this goes power outage? You don't have the nice graphics. You no cell phone service. There's no, uh, you know, you can't hear any microphones because it's, it's all dead. That actually happened one night when I was teaching at a study on Monday nights and we had a total power outage in the whole block. And we worked so hard, had all this really cool tech stuff and lighting and mics and the band was all set up. And I'm like, man, this is going to be so awesome. be so rad. And all of a sudden, it was literally like, pop. You're hitting the button on and off. It's like, and it's not working. And you're going, what in the world? You know how much time we just invested in all of this stuff and we don't have anything. I mean, could you imagine if there was no substance like if everything was, uh, you know, like a facade almost. Because the Lord taught me a valuable lesson that night. Because that evening, um, this won't be recorded on the, on the video archive because I won't be putting my, my mouth on the, on the mic. But I taught like this. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter whatever it was. And we taught a Bible study like that. And then the guy that couldn't sing because the amplification was gone, he takes his guitar and sings a cappella. And it was this acoustic guitar in a 2,000 person sanctuary. And that night, more people gave their life to Jesus than have ever been before. And it was absolutely amazing. Even one lady, and I'm back with you guys that are listening online, okay? So just saying that, you know, we had this happen where the power went out and I taught without a microphone and the guy leading worship taught without amplification. And we had a ton of people give their life to the Lord. And even one lady in particular, as the lights were on, she's sitting in church and she's saying, Lord, because she told one of our follow-up counselors this, She was saying, Lord, if you're real, then just show me. And the moment she prayed that, the lights went, pop. She's like, Lord, is that you? And she gave her life to Jesus that night. You know, you never know the kind of things that the Lord's going to use to further his kingdom. But he doesn't need amplification. He doesn't need, you know, cool technology. I mean, he created it, but he doesn't need it. We can harness those things and use those things. But the Lord moves by his spirit. And so that night, I had this little phrase pop in my head. The lights went out, but the power stayed on. 
It was the Holy Spirit power. And that's what we want to see continue to have happen in the lives of the people in our church, in your lives, that the Holy Spirit is strengthened in you, that your knowledge of what the Bible says grows. And then when you go through your difficult time or your trial or you're in that situation where you need wisdom and guidance, you're then able to grab hold of and take ownership of not a fleeting emotion, but something that endures forever, which is the word of God. That's why we open it. That's why we read it. And that's why Paul says that it's his grace, the word of his grace that builds us up. And as we conclude in verse 33, Paul says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I really like that about Paul. He knew how to work hard. There's something so fulfilling when you work and and you're investing in something. I like that about Paul. That he labored and he worked and he he endured hardships and, and, and he invested in other people. And people knew that. He wasn't after what other people had, but was responsible for what had been entrusted to him. I feel like even for us today, that's a nice little tidbit. We can see the highlight reels of other people's lives on Instagram, which sometimes you just have to not follow people anymore. Because you're like, every single person, I mean, every single day of this person's life is perfect. (laughs) This can't be true. Oh, just another day, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, ah, you know, whatever it might be. And so, but that's the highlight reel. People aren't posting bad hair days. You know, people aren't posting what it looks like when we're in an argument. Ah, you know, like that kind of thing. You know, people don't do that. It's very easy for us with the visuals around to be like, man, I want what somebody else has causing us to not be content with what we've been given or what we've been entrusted with. And I think even in ministry that happens too. Wow, they have that over there and they're doing that over there. And that, I'm sorry. We need to do what we're called to do. Paul was not in ministry for himself. And then what a truth as he concluded verse 35 there, that you will actually get more blessed giving than you will receiving. I mean, that's almost like oxymoronic for some of us. Like, it's more blessed to give than receive. No, the Bible actually says, and we know the Word of God is true in every single area, and this part is not excluded from that. Well, God meant that in everything but verse 35 of uh, Acts chapter 20. No, no, you actually will get more blessed giving than you will receiving. So when people go on mission trips and like, man, we're going to go hook these people up with everything that they need and really bless them, they come back way more blessed. Like, man, I came to give and I end up receiving way more by giving. And you can apply that to every area of your life. In verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke in verse 38, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship.